Hey, welcome to the Christmas edition of More Than Bread. My name is Dan. I've been a pastor in Central PA for almost 30 years, and I'm praying for snow, (laughs) which will sound a bit weird if it's May and you're listening to this in Thailand, which by the way, we actually have a few listeners in Thailand, in Myanmar and Kenya, but most of you from somewhere in the United States, and most of the most of you are from Pennsylvania. And most of the most of the most of you are from Central PA. But it was kind of cool. I, I got a couple of different emails this week from folks who are listening from somewhere other than Central PA. So just a, a little bit of a shout out to Nathan and his barber friend from the Philly area and and Mike from Pottstown. Your emails encouraged me this week. You know what I mean? You, you've you've experienced it before. You're, you're kind of wondering if what you do matters. And all of a sudden you get some words from someone that basically say, I see you. You matter. And I've gotten that some from some of the folks around here, but I don't know, just kind of the out there speaking in, I see you, you matter. And and hopefully you aren't surprised when I draw back to the words of God, the word of God. The word of God is more than just a study book or a storybook. It is that. But when the spirit of God gets a hold of the word of God and breathes those words into the people of God, it's more than just the written word. It becomes the spoken word of God for you, a personal message from God in the moment for you, for you personally. And I hope that encourages you because regardless of the specific nature of that message in the moment for you, broadly speaking, it is God saying, I see you and you matter. You matter to me. You matter enough for me to share my words with you. And and that's so amazing. And it's why I value the word of God more than bread. Bread is good, but it doesn't shape my soul. And it's not so much a reminder that the God of all creation, the Christ of Christmas, cares about us. And, and that's at least part of what I hope is taking place for me and you. I, I don't want these 15 to 20 minute dives into scripture to to just be interesting, or even just inspiring. I want them to be a reminder that God speaks, and when we hear his voice, it's because he sees you, and you matter to him. So this is episode number 215 of More Than Bread, and it's episode number 12 of our Christmas pause. We're pausing from the series we were doing on Paul's letters from prison. We're going to go back to that. We were in the middle of Philippians, and we'll head back there sometime after Christmas, but for at least another I don't know, five to 10 episodes, we're doing a Christmas pause. We've looked at some Old Testament Christmas previews and and then the Christmas story in Matthew and now Luke. And before we're done, we'll listen to John. In the last episode, we paused on Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38 for a second time. And this time, we're moving on to Luke chapter 1, verses 39 through 56. We're going to be there at least two episodes as well. I'm reading this part of the Christmas story from the English Standard Version. So listen as I read. Luke says, In those days, Mary arose. Remember, this is right after she had the the invitation, the encounter with the angel. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And, And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth, and remember from before, Elizabeth is a relative of Mary's. When Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy, and blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. 
And then Mary launches into what we know now today as the Magnificat, Mary's Song of Praise, really the first hymn of all Christmas creation. Verse 46, and Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me and holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with her, with Elizabeth, for about three months and then returned to her home. Now, if I started this episode by telling you that we're going to do a deep dive into the Christmas conspiracy, what would you think? (laughs) Let me just tell you, I'm not talking political. It has absolutely nothing to do with QAnon or any deep state stories. In fact, I'm not even talking about consumerism or the war on Christmas. I'm not. I mean, we could. I understand that over the years, the Christmas conspiracy has been a bloody battle as secular humanists have tried to take Christ out of Christmas and nativity sets off of our lawns. We, we've been subjected to happy holidays by Walmart cashiers and, and, and Salvation Army bell bands by Target. We've had, a, we've had to buy holiday trees and winter lights. At one point, a number of years ago, school bus drivers in Maine were banned from leading Christmas carols on their buses and, and the children cheered. <laughs> You know, a, a while back, a number of years ago, Jennifer Giroux, co-founder of Operation Just Say Merry Christmas, wanted to do her part. She made red and green wristbands with the words, Just Say Merry Christmas. And what began as a local campaign went viral. Within days, she sold 60,000 bracelets at $2 each, and Christmas was saved. <laughs> Forgive me if you're a bit uncomfortable because I'm making light of a favorite cause, but let me just pause and assure you that I am passionate about the Christ of Christmas. When the Bible scholar N.T. Wright was asked what he would tell his kids on his deathbed, he said he hoped his final breath would form the words, look at Jesus. Wright explained why he said the person who walks out of the pages of the Gospels to meet us is central and irreplaceable, always a surprise. We never have Jesus in our pockets. He's, he's always coming at us from different angles. If you want to know who God is, look at Jesus. If you want to know what it means to be human, look at Jesus. If you want to know what love is, look at Jesus. And go on looking until you're not just a spectator, but you're part of the drama that has him as the central character. I can almost hear right say, look at Jesus so long that you don't just celebrate Christmas, you become Christmas, you become Christmas. I am, I am passionate about the Christ of Christmas. In fact, I'm more passionate about Christ than I am Christmas. There is no Christmas without Christ. Uh, Leonard Cohen died six or seven years ago, and this year I put his his song Broken Hallelujah on my Christmas 2023 playlist. It, it's kind of an all-mixed-up religious song, but I love one of its last lines, I'll stand before the Lord of song with nothing on my tongue but hallelujah. Cohen would often protest that he wasn't really a religious man, but he could barely refrain from singing and speaking about God. In fact, shortly before he died in an interview with a New Yorker, Cohen said, I know 
I know there's a spiritual aspect to everybody's life, whether they cop to it or not. It's there. You can feel it. Cohen primarily identified as a Jew, but he was drawn to Christ. Talking about his song, The Captain, Cohen said, what, what I mean to say in this song is that there are many things about Christianity that attract me. The figure of Jesus is extremely attractive. It's, it's difficult not to fall in love with that person. See, I think if, if, for more, if for just one month we were to focus more on Christ than we did in any other month of the year, that month would likely shape our life. I am passionate about Christ, and that's why I'm passionate about the Christmas conspiracy. But it's not the war on Christmas that I'm speaking about. It's the war of Christmas. See, when I think back to that first Christmas, Merry Christmas was not the greeting of choice. There were no Christmas trees, no nativity scenes, well, except for one. <laughs> but Jesus was not front and center in the public square. And yet, listen to me, and yet nothing could keep Christ out of the world. And when he came, he gave birth to a conspiracy. See, if we want to understand the true battle of Christmas, we need to go back to the very beginning, the moment when the conspiracy begins. The story is told in Luke chapter 1. We've looked at it the last couple of episodes. But but there's also an historical context. The the Pax Romana, the Peace of Rome, was the historical context. It was a, a submit or die context. There are men and women and children, your neighbors being crucified. For the people of Israel, it was a hopeless time. You know, we often use the word hope as a synonym for wish, like, I hope it snows this Christmas, <laughs> or I hope there's an Oculus Rift in my under my tree this Christmas. But biblical hope is not a wish so much as it is a fact that merely hasn't taken place yet. It's a confident assertion about what we know to be true, even if it's unseen, and it flows from faith in God's Word. The Hebrew word for hope has more to do with waiting than it does with wishing. We wait, we don't wish. We wait, we don't wish. Biblical hope is a sure, steady looking forward to God's future good. Man, hope is so powerful. It is life-giving. Drain hope from an individual and you have depression. Drain hope from a marriage and you get a divorce. Drain hope from a city and it turns into a ghetto. Drain hope from a generation And you understand the culture and the mindset of the people that first Christmas. You understand the mindset and the heart perhaps of Mary before an angel came to her and said what we looked at in the last episode. Mary, you found favor with God. So you're going to give birth, a a virgin birth, a son born from a virgin, and he will be holy great. You'll call him Jesus and he will reign forever. His kingdom will never end. And so the conspiracy begins. It begins with a Christmas invitation. The angel comes to Mary with an invitation. The invitation begins with a promise, and the promise comes first. God is with you. That's the promise. God is with you. You have found favor with God. And after the promise comes the invitation. We we need to understand it's not the invitation to bear Christ so much as it is the invitation to be a carrier of his presence. That's that's already decided. (laughs) Bearing Christ has already been decided that the angel didn't ask her if she would. He tells her that she will. The Christmas invitation that she receives is the same invitation we all receive. It's an invitation to conspire with Christ, not just to bear Christ, (laughs) to conspire with Christ. Don't miss how Mary would have heard the last few sentences of the angel's invitation. He will be great 
will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. You you realize, right, that in Mary's day, the most important man in the world is Caesar Augustus, right? He's king, emperor of of Rome, ruler of the world. (laughs) The Roman Senate actually declared him the Son of God. When Augustus seized power, he ended the civil wars and power games that were destroying Rome from the inside out. So they called him the bringer of peace. Augustus was called the bringer of peace. Remember, the peace of Rome was a violent peace, a submit or die peace. But for Rome, for Rome, Augustus was good news. In fact, there's an inscription from Rome near the time when Mary would have been a little girl. It read, by sending Augustus as a savior for us and to those who came after us to make war to cease, the birthday of the God Augustus was the beginning for the world of the good news that has come to men through him. (laughs) Mary lives in a time of extreme poverty. She lives in a country ruled by brutal tyrants who do not value life, a world where your friends either starve or hang on a cross. She lives in a kingdom where the poor are neglected, and the only people who really have good news are the rich and the powerful, the Romans. But but then this heavenly messenger comes to her and tells her that in her womb will be formed the real Son of God. From her womb will be born the true giver of peace. The real Savior is coming. A king, a king will be born. And she's being invited to conspire with the Christ. And, And please listen to me. His invitation still stands. You are being invited to conspire with the Christ. We're being invited to conspire with Christ the King against the kingdom of darkness. The kingdom of darkness is still here. Rome is gone. The kingdom of darkness is still here. We're we're invited to conspire with Christ against hopelessness and poverty and injustice. We're invited to conspire with Christ on behalf of those imprisoned as sex slaves and those who are lonely, but it's with Christ. We can't do it without Christ. Without Christ, There's no Christmas conspiracy. And that's why the next part of the conversation is so critical. In verses 34 through 38, Mary responds, ultimately responds with the words, and I butchered these yesterday. I could not get the right phrases in my mind in the last episode. But she responds ultimately with these words, let it be to me according to your word. Let it be to me according to your word. Let your word happen in my life. Basically, Mary was saying, I'm going to lean into God's word. You know, there's there's something, I don't know, sentimental and sweet about this encounter, right? A tender moment between Mary and her angelic messenger. But don't miss the conspiracy, the secrecy, the subversiveness. The angel is not sent to someone of power and influence, not a priest or a politician, not a, not a wealthy man or woman, just, a, just a, a young teenager caught in poverty, the bottom of the social order. And to this young woman, the announcement is made. A king will be born and his kingdom will be forever. This kind of talk is treason to Rome. See, we don't get Christmas if we don't understand that that first Christmas was good news for an oppressed and captive people. We can't be Christmas if we don't appreciate that it's still meant to be good news for oppressed and captive people. I mean, let's start with the literal slavery. 30 million men, women, and children in some form of slavery around the world today, more than at any other time in history. Sex trade, sweatshops, quarries and mines and armies, kids who should be in school playing with their friends, stitching clothes together 12 hours a day so that we can get more shirts on sale. 
And then from literal slavery, add in the slavery of addictions and consumerism, the largest slave chain of all, the the one that our king came to destroy, sin. Mary hears the message of the angel and she says, I want to join this conspiracy. Count me in. Let it be to me according to your word. Honestly, there's not enough of us today in our country, in our culture, in America that are willing to say to God, are willing to say to Jesus, let it be to me according to your word. And do you understand as she leaned into his word, the word of God, the promise of God gave birth to hope. As Christ was conceived in her womb, hope was conceived in her heart. And it was a subversive hope. An underground subversive hope. This is the language of conspiracy. When a host of angels announce that Jesus is the bringer of peace, they're saying there is no peace in Rome. When you're told to name the boy Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins, you're saying that Augustus is not the savior of the world. When you say that the birth of Jesus is the good news, you're saying that the birth of Augustus is not the good news. See, Christmas was the start of a conspiracy of hope for all people. It's not a mild, joyful, sentimental celebration which is why Mary writes this song. It's the world's first Christmas song, a song of subversive hope. It's a few days after Gabriel's announcement, just long enough for reality to hit the reality that she's pregnant, but not married. The reality that Joseph might not believe her. The reality that according to her culture, her religion, the punishment for her condition was to be stoned to death. But, but Mary has this Subversive hope in a time of great darkness that very simply begins with these words, my soul magnifies the Lord. Oh, my soul magnifies the Lord. We'll get to her song in the next episode, but for now, let me simply state that this call is at the heart of the Christmas conspiracy. It's a call to magnify the Lord to magnify the Lord. Do you magnify the Lord? Is is God magnified? Is Christ magnified in your soul? Let me just ask you, ponder this for the next 24 hours or so until you listen to the next episode. Here's the question. What does your soul magnify? What is big in your soul? I got to be honest, I'm going to have to ponder this with you because I think I've let Jesus get a bit small in my soul. How about you? Jesus, I want you to be big in my soul. I want to be able to say with Mary, my soul magnifies the Lord. I want to come to the point where there's nothing that is bigger in my soul, in my heart, in my mind, in my perspective. Nothing bigger than you. Would you help me magnify you? Would you be magnified in my life? I pray the same thing for every one of my friends listening. God, would you be magnified in their souls? Jesus, would you be magnified? Would you show us, would you show every person listening that everything that has been magnified above you, that everything that has filled us up more than you is is just compared to Christ, it's garbage. There's not a single gift we'll get this Christmas. There's not a single gift we'll buy for somebody this Christmas that that deserves more space in our soul, that deserves to be magnified in our hearts more than you, Jesus. And, And so say it with me if you're listening, if you mean it. My soul magnifies the Lord.
My soul magnifies the Lord. My soul magnifies the Lord. Amen.